joining us today. And again, uh, I just ask that if you all would grab some pencil and paper, because I want us to start to, I know I know we're in a Bible study, prayer line Bible study. I would love for you all to start being able to take a few notes so we can discuss. It's, it's kind of hard with this new computer to even hear you, but I may have to just repeat the question. And 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 as you answered, I'll just I know how to do the answer answer it the way you answer. I can hear you, but somehow this computer will not. Uh, it's not picking up the background noises, and that part I, I'm not quite understanding. Uh, even though it does my voice uh, also. And I, like I said, I thank thank each and every one of you that was able to join us this evening. And I don't know about you all, Arizona's a nice warm day here in Arizona. Nice weather, sun is shining, and I guess people must be out and about because I don't hear anyone from Arizona on the line, even though I did notify everybody. Again, this evening, we're going to continue with Nehemiah, and as I was saying with the other ladies, what we're doing, we're trying to set a precedent of going through a whole book of the Bible each month, and God led us through Nehemiah's, and as we get through with this book of Nehemiah, I, I pray that each one of you have picked up something uh, and you'll be able to apply it to your life. So I'm going to go ahead and get started in prayer and we're going to get on and start discussing. All right. All right. Uh, Mimi, are y'all able to call Al and see what happened? Okay. Cause I know I sent out the notification. Let's let's do that. I'll go ahead and start the prayer while you do that. Okay. I was kind of out of breath a second. Here a minute. Ken, if you come this way, can you bring me some water? Well, let's go ahead. It's a, uh, I like that song. It said, Lord, if you do it, don't do it without me. And the, the second one we heard was anchored. I'm, my soul is anchored in the Lord. And that is a wonderful thing to be able to know that you are anchored in the Lord. And, and today, Father God, as we join together with each one online and those that's getting ready to come online and those even those that's not able to get online with us today father god as we come we ask for a blessing speak a blessing on each household uh let there be no confrontation let there be your spirit that rests rule and by so we'll be able to learn of your word and as we learn of your word, we apply your word to our life, Father God. We thank you for healing all of those that need a healing, a mind uh, regulation today, Father God. We thank you for all of that. We thank you for what you're going to do on this Bible study this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, thank you for joining us. Okay, great. Where's your mother? Okay. Okay. No, she's not on. Okay. All right. So, um, again, I, I was asking Quentin and everybody, just have your little piece of paper and, uh, 
a pencil so you can write down some of the things that we're discussing because we're going to get to some points. I want you all to be able to share. Not You don't have to share it, but at least share it within your own mind to say, well, yeah, this has happened to me and be able to apply what the word of God said. Thank you all for joining us and we're just getting started. Today we're, we're on Nehemiah. Uh, I think we're going to do 8, 9, and 10. And then the next week, we'll do the last three chapters of Nehemiah. Now, as we journey through the next few chapters, we should apply, I want us to be able to apply the word of God to our circumstances, our lives today, and which that is called life application. We should be able to take the word of God and apply it to our life. It's like a salve. When you take a salve and you you you, you roll it on your body and you want some healing because you put that salve on it. Verse where I say Vicks. You put Vicks uh, vapor. Thank you all for joining us. You put va Vicks vapor rub on your body for a reason. That's because you, you want some healing for whatever Vicks can do. Now, the, the behold of the word of God is bread to our life, is nourishment to our body, is directions, that's what we should do. And this Nehemiah, you all, is really, is exactly who we are. When we take time to kind of look at it, we want to be in reality about the word of God. So now, now, uh, go ahead on. We know all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them that who are called according to his purpose. This is Romans 8 and 28. Even though we go through trials and tribulations, when we love God and he calls us, he chooses us. Now, yes, we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But once we do that, God then chooses us to do a next step. He, it's, it's right there in Acts 1 and 8 when he tells us what we all should be doing with our lives. If you have no progress, you need to start over. And, and that's what the teaching is all about. If you don't see nothing change, you're not walking in the light of God. Okay, now, so I'm going to do a little bit of review. So just make sure we're all on one page here. Now, Nehemiah answered the call. He was doing his job day by day, won't bother nobody. A couple of friends came by and told him what was happening in the city where he was from. So he was chosen by God and he answered the call. Then what, what he did, this is the, the when we, a situation come up, we can look at this as how we do a situation to get it clarified. Next thing he do, did, Nehemiah prayed, asked God for favor with the king. He didn't run out and ask his friend, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? He stopped. He knew what his job was. He stopped and asked God to give him some favor with the king. And the God did, God did that. As he journeyed back to the land, he gave him a, the king gave him a letter so that he can go through the land freely and even pick up some of the supplies he needed. Next thing he did, he, when he got to Judah, he took a team. He took his team, not, not the other people yet. They knew he was there, but he took his team and he surveyed the land. He looked at the situation. When we got a catastrophe, anything that comes up in our life, the first thing that God tells us to do, we should pray and be able to listen to what God said, listen for the wisdom of God. And so he took his team and he went all through, throughout the land. They didn't know it was at night. He did it at night just to see what was going on. Then, <coughs> excuse me, he called all the leaders to encourage them to do better and to rebuild. Before, before anything he started doing on his own, he got together with the people that lived in the town, what was involved in the situation, got them together and encouraged them. 
gave him a pep talk. That's what he did. Did, did a pep talk. Then uh, he went on. Then he 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 got attacked. You know, anytime you get ready to do something for the Lord or do something anyway, you always got some busybodies, some haters, some mouthers. I love to just call them haters. That's bottom line. People that throw snake eggs. You got all those kind of folks. He he ran across. He ran across what Sam Ballard, Tobias, and and Goshen. That's who it was. Three old guys that want to do nothing but create mess and tell, start to telling tales on him. Even through that, he ignored the haters and, and stuck to his conviction. What he, he stuck to what God had called him to do. He didn't change his mind just because the haters didn't like him. Next thing he did, now when the community, when there was a situation when the community was in conflict with each other, he boldly stepped up and resolved it. Put halt to financial boundaries, what it is. You know, in, in doing our job, there's always going somebody that's going to throw an egg in it. Or throw a throw a rock in it and try to start just even with all in our own families it, they can always have something going on a little mess going on little foxes running around little telltales creating nothing and but, but the situation was that the people were selling off each other the higher ups were selling off the poor people because the poor people couldn't get out and work and, and this is the honest example how the bible said if you don't work you don't eat but they were working, but they couldn't go out and plan anything because they they had already spent over 60 years not rebuilding anything. They're just laying around and doing nothing. So they couldn't go out and do so. They had to uh, sell their children, their daughters, sell their children, the, the men, and sell their land and all just to get money to be able to have something to eat. But uh, Nehemiah put a stop to that. Then the next one other thing that Nehemiah did, he he held a, a given test. He 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 held those that was accountable. He held those that was given something to do accountable, uh, to be accountable. Remember the remember the part when he went to the people and with with the priest and all, and they set everybody down. This is when when Ezra. That's mostly what we're going to talk about today. After the wall had already got up, and you still got liars and haters. And you got the people to stop uh, selling off, got got the people to stop putting the poor people in bondage. Then they said, yes, they would do. They would do stuff. So he got together and held them accountable for that. And then he ratified and sealed the agreement. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. What he did at the very end, he signed an agreement with all the officials to promise God to be faithful to his word. We have that thing that is today when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And it, we know in our hearts and our mind that Jesus is the Son of God. So we're making, making them a promise that we know, we know that, Lord, and we receive that. And so when we receive the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, we receive the third part of the Trinity. That is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit will come, rest, rule, and abide, and live within us. And what I'm seeing in this generation and over the many, many years, there are not many people that teaches that the Spirit of God lives in you. Because a lot of people don't understand and they get confused. That means that the person doesn't want... There is no confusion when you've got the Spirit of God living in you. And you know the Spirit of God living in you. But when you don't know, you, you're scary, you, you, you're confused about the situation. So if you if anyone by chance or you run into someone by happenstance, before you can do any ministry to them, you're going to have to sit down 
and talk to them about receiving Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. That is one of the very first things that the Holy Spirit will teach us to do. That's the very first thing what Jesus tells us to do. We got to tell, go out and tell somebody about him. That's what we always tell the story of the, of the cross and Jesus going to the cross and coming all the way up and see a lot a lot of people don't don't really didn't realize this too much that one of our own culture Simeon he helped Jesus carry the cross that's right there in the Bible he when the Roman when Jesus was going down the road and he was all beat up already he was trying to and bleeding and, and crown of thorns on his head he was trying to carry that cross. And the Roman soldiers saw that it was real heavy for Jesus. And he was in distress. So he saw this tall black man, this African man, Simeon. And he asked him, he said, get over, help him with the cross. And that's what he did. And that has been our job. Our person, that we, with, with that, you all, we can feel confident to know that we as a Gentile has been accepted into Christianity because we help carry the cross and that's what our charge is. Take the cross throughout the land on our journey. Our job is to tell somebody about Jesus. So hopefully that, that kind of helps us out a little bit. Now uh, going on and we're down to book eight. Now Ezra uh, came out of Babylon. You know everybody was coming back from Babylon. They had been coming quite a few years. It's been a little bit out of time. They would let them go. Now, Ezra came uh, back to Babylon about 13 years before Nehemiah had come back to Judah, before he came back. Now, Judah, remember Nehemiah was working for the king? But Ezra was a priest. He was a uh, scribe. And he was in bond in Babylon in bondage, but they let him go. He was one of the older ones that made it through. So apparently he might have been a child or something when he was taken into Babylon because they stayed there at least 70 years, remember? At least 70 years they stayed in the Babylon before they started letting any of them go. All right. Now, uh, Nehemiah 8 and 1. And like I said, you all, please, if you speak, please speak. Uh, I'm trying to get it on the recording. Uh, Nehemiah 8 and 1 says, All the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the Law of Moses. That's all they had back then. They didn't have no, didn't have no Bible, um, many, many versions of the Bible like we do. Every Everyday man didn't own anything. Everyday man, especially those coming out of bondage, they didn't own nothing. And we are so privileged, you all, today. We, we, we have the Bible uh, in paper form. We have it in, in uh, technology on our phones, our tablets. Anywhere we want it, we can pick up a Bible. Little, all size of Bible. Something we have access to read the Word of God. Th this is the part that I, I really like. Going on to Nehemiah 2, 8 and 2. So it says around October 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. There are some of us that still don't understand the Word of God, and that's why. That means they do not have the Spirit of God living in them. Bottom line, I'll give you all a bottom line so to help you in doing your ministry. When you run across to somebody that don't understand the Word, they don't have the Spirit of God living in them. They may know of God, but they don't have His Spirit. No excuse, bottom line. And you can stand on that. And if you don't believe it, you can go in your Bible and find the Word. The, the, the Holy Spirit 
is the one that once you read the word, you can forget it or whatever. But when it's necessary, the, the spirit of God that's living in you will bring that scripture back to remembrance. I'm for one is one. I don't remember all the different addresses where the word, but you got some people that can remember every address, but they don't understand the word. There's a difference. All right. So he got all the people together and he's got all the men, the women and the children, everybody that can understand. And he started reading eight and three. Now he faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened close, closely to the book of the law. He was reading from the book of the law, what Moses has written down. The laws that God had given, given Moses. Come on, give me a bottle of water. Um, excuse me a minute. Let me a little boy give me a bottle of water. Okay, going on down to four. I want us to pay some attention. I'm going to try to skip all these. If you look at that in your Bible, we're on uh, Nehemiah 8 and verse 4. Now, Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform. You all think about this. That's almost like the church scene. Uh, they had their own version of the church scene. And we, most of us have been into a church and we haven't tried visiting one. He, I told him for a bottle of water. Okay, so he said, okay, thank you, thank you. They said, now, Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. To his right stood and all these different people, you see the names there, all these different other priests stood there also with him. Okay, now going down to uh, Nehemiah verse, I'm jumping around now, Nehemiah verse 5. 8 and 5. Now Ezra stood on the platform in full view of the people. When they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Traditions even stand today when the priest, when the minister get up or the person is re reading the scriptures. Most of the churches that I've ever been in, we're not advised to stand up, but that we all know the custom of the tradition. Just stand up while the word of God is being written. This goes all the way back, <laughs> all the way back to Nehemiah and Ezra. All right, now, verse 8 and 8, you see, they read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read. Help the people understand these passages. They didn't know. That's why we have the Bible study to help you all understand what the word of God is. Take the word of God and apply it to the plot to their life. So then now, verse 9, then Nehemiah, he was the governor, remember? The governor of that king, because the, the, that territory was under the king that Nehemiah worked for. So uh, the, the king made Nehemiah the governor. All right. So Nehemiah the governor and Ezra the priest and scribe. Uh, he, he was a person that wrote the word, wrote down what he heard from God, and he read the word and he taught the word. In other words, he was a teacher. If you want to say, you can say he was a preacher. But he was a scribe and a priest. And the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, now this is the part, you all, that's heavy to me. Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. For today is a sacred day 
before the Lord your God, for the people had all been weeping as they listened to the word of the law. They were, they were put into a state of conviction. They had never heard this, but they heard it as truth. They understand, they understood what the word meant. And so there was, it was, heart was saddened. And so the Levites, from the Levites are supposed to be, their tribe is a tribe of the priest anyway. So the Levite was encouraging, don't cry. This is a good day. This is good. When we come to Jesus, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that's a good day. Yeah, you cry sometimes, but look, the look of those don't understand why you're crying. You're crying because it makes your soul feel good. Your soul is safe. Your soul is no longer in bondage. Your mind is not all twisted up. It's not happening anymore. Let's go ahead to verse uh, 10. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich food, sweet drinks, share gifts of God with people who have nothing. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. We say that so many times, and which is really good. When we hear about the good news of God, that makes you happy. And when you're happy and you're secure, Anything that you're going through, you know you have Jesus with you. And so that gives you extra strength to push on, to walk a little bit further, to, to take one more, to, to uh, let one more snake in bounce off of you. you you're secured. You're secured in, your, in the strength of God that know that as long as I know I got God in my life, I can make this one. I can make it. That's what that song we were singing. My soul is anchored in the Lord. Anchored in the law. And you know, you, you think about a great big ship and they have these little bit of tiny anchors and they take that anchor when they want to stay still, they take that little anchor and drop it deep in the ocean. I, so when we know we got Jesus Christ, we accept, well, it's, it's simple, you all. When we know we, when we just know that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, it's simple to believe. But some people it may be difficult. But when we believe that we have His Spirit living in us, our soul is anchored in the arms of God when we, we accept Jesus. We're not out there by alone. So, so, but Nehemiah was telling people, you don't hear all the good news. This is a day to rejoice. Go, and this is what you call a feast. There are a lot of times we go have good old church service and then, then we go and we sit and we fellowship with others. I know my sister, them every Sunday after they get, get out of church, they go home and they have a feast. They have a dinner and they welcome people into the house. And they sit and have feet and they fellowship. This is exactly what Nehemiah was telling the people to do. And that is tradition that we picked up all the way back from my mama's mama, 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 mama. That's what they did. They fellowship and ate with each other. If you didn't, Aunt Ola, Aunt Ola, we had a bunch of children just like Mud did too. And I remember when they used to come to the uh, 914B Audubon Avenue. And some Sundays, I, I don't I only remember seeing one chicken lot. I only remember seeing one chicken sometimes. But my mama knew how to cut that piece up, fix the chicken up that she fed Aina Wee's children and all of her children. And then sent some of it down down to uh, Webtown to, to uh, Ada, Big Ada. We had to take her a meal on Sunday. Uh, back then, the fellowship was pure. The people loved each other. They didn't have issues. Now we have a lot of little bit of junk we pick up. And sometimes you don't even want them in the house, bringing all that trash with them. That trash talking, the negative world ways. 
you really don't want people in your house doing that because it contaminates your house. Bottom line, it contaminates your house. Uh, so he told him, you know, for the joy, he said, don't be dejected and sad. Don't be in a pitiful state and sad because for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You don't have to be sad when the joy of the Lord. Now, this is a, what, what this is all about. It's called the uh, Festival of Shelters. And that was in Le Leviticus uh, 23 and 34. And God has said this to Moses. Give the following instructions to the peaceful people of Israel. Begin celebrating Festival of Shelters on the fifth day of the appointed month, fifth, five days after Day of Atonement. He said, this festival, this festival is the Lord's will and it will last for seven days. This is how God is really saying to, and sometimes we should be able to fellowship with each other. Not always, uh, I can't go to your house. You got too many dramas. You got too much stuff going on. No, you, you can invite people in, but when they come with the job drama, put them out. Don't let them come in your house with all that negative stuff because what it does, it jumps in your walls. And once they leave out of the house, all it is a negative spirit. Your kids get acting crazy. Everybody's stupid. You don't know why. That's because you had too many negative speaking people in your house or either around you. Okay. So now, huh? I'm sorry. Somebody said I had a question. Okay, so we're going on going on back to Nehemiah 91. This is part is talking about when the people confess their sins. I want us to look at this, you all, and see how it's um similar to our worship today and similar as to uh how Jesus taught them to pray, taught his disciples, and it has passed on down and, and it taught us how to pray. So Nehemiah 1, it says now on October the 31st, the people assembled again. And this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads. In those times, when they wanted to worship God, or uh, they wanted to come before God, they would uh, put sackcloth, burlap. You all know what burlap is. It, most of you should know what bur burlap fabric is. It's that hard, rough fabric. And this is their way of humbling before God. And they put uh, they sprinkled dust on, on their foreheads. There's a couple of uh, religions that does that now. Even through Lent time, some of the people still do this. But we don't have to do all of that because we've got Jesus. That's what I love. I don't have to put no sackcloth. I can put my best suit on and look good because I know I got Jesus. I don't have to look all sad. We thank, thank, we thank God for Jesus that him sending. We thank God for sending his son to save us and make us have peace and joy in our life. When we know how to apply his word. So we're down to Nehemiah 9 and 2. Those of the Israelite descent separated themselves from all the foreigners. Listen to all. And as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. That is the part that I, in this day and time, because of Jesus and our ancestors are gone, we, we, we can't... Uh, repent for our ancestors there are some some theologians that teach us and some churches that teach it but i go with the heart of what god has said to me i cannot repent for something my grand grandmother did however in the beginning of god's word he said 
that the sins of the father would go down to third and fourth generation. And we can look at that as some of those generation churches that we're still doing, generational uh, sins that we're still doing. Uh, for, we call it the familiar spirits. Some of the things that we picked up that our forefathers did, and it's it not necessary for us to do it today, but we run with it because we don't take time to try to hear what God said, the new thing he's doing in our life. The new thing he did in our life was send his son. That, that way you don't have to take a goat or calf or nothing to no priest today. I said, oh, Lord, I thank God that I don't have to get me a goat and take it over to some some priest's house and ask the priest to kill the goat for me. I don't have to do, we don't have to do that, you all. All we got to do in our brain, in our heart, I say in our heart, in our heart, is just believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It's nothing else can it be more simpler. But when your mind is wrapped and tied up and tangled up, it's very, it's a very difficult to, thing to do. Uh, so now, now nine and three, they remain standing in the place for three hours. Check this out, Ada. Church for three hours. This one said church, but some of us can't even stand 30 minutes on church. He said they stood for three hours while the book of the law of the Lord, their God was read out loud to them. So as we was reading again, all the Levites, somebody the Levites are reading the book of law again to them. So they can get a better, better understanding. Uh, better understanding. Then for three more hours, listen to this. They confess their sins and worship the Lord their God. I'm gonna read that again. They remain standing in the place for three hours while the book of the law was read. That's, we can look at that and say, well, that's like when a preacher come in and most preachers, you think you preach three hours, I'm gonna get up and go home. I ain't sitting there no three hours. Maybe I'll give you an hour, but I do know when I went to uh, the schools that I went through in learning how to teach and preach, that's one of the things that said after a while, the people attention span isn't there. So in starting, uh, when I started preaching, the theologians that was over us would not let us go more than 15 minutes. In 15 minutes, you can get out what God is saying to you to say to the people. Because after a while, it's, it's blabbering. It's blabbering. And then you have the danger of speaking what the people want to he hear, giving them that itching ear. You want to, you start to encourage them. You start to profit lying. In other words, bottom line, you start to profit lying. Okay, going on down to, uh, and this was part of the worship. This is where the worship is getting into. This is Nehemiah 9 and 5. And see, now the leaders of the Levites, they, they named all of them, and I'm not going to read it, and called out to the people, stand up and praise the Lord. That's like the worship team we have in churches. Is it not? That's the first thing they do after they read the scriptures. They pray, read the scriptures, and then their worship team come up and they start to sing his songs. And so this this team of people, uh, Jesua, they got all the different names if you're looking at your Bible, called out to the people. They said, stand up, praise the Lord, your God. We do that. Most churches I go to, they always have a praise team. That's the first thing they do before the choir scene. They got a praise team to kind of encourage, boost the people morale up, get them up, get get them get the mind off all, excuse me, of all the things that's happening in their lives. The torment that so that when they got together and started praising God, all that stuff went away in their mind. They was able able to uh, praise God. Now to see, they pray. Then let's see. Let me go back a little. They stood up and praised the Lord with your God, for He lives from everlasting to everlasting. Is that not part of worship? When we worship in Him, we tell, God is an ever-present God. He lives everlasting. He's an everlasting God, ever-present, everlasting. That's part of praise. We're telling them. Uh, 
in in the prayer uh, that Jesus taught his disciples, the, one, of the, one of the first things he asked them to, uh, when they're praying, they ask God to forgive them of their debts as we forgive our debtors. Remember that? And we told him how great we tell God how great he is. Then he, we ask him to forgive us. If you're going to approach somebody's house and you don't knock on the you got to knock on the door. And when they say, come in, you come in, the first thing you're going to do, you're going to say, how you doing? You look good today. And then the people most likely to say, sit down. Be able to apply the word of God to our daily actions, our daily life. This is how what they taught them even back then. He said, may your glorious name be praised. May it exalt above all blessings and praise. It's just giving God the honor and worship who they think they were, who they thought he was. Nehemiah 9 and 6. You alone are the Lord. He said, you made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserved them all and the angels of heaven worship you. This is in, in Nehemiah 6. Going on Nehemiah 7 say, you are the Lord God. They're still praising God. You are the Lord God who chose Abraham and brought him from Ur, Ur of the Chaldeans and renamed him Abraham. His first name was Abram. God took him out of the land of Ur and uh, named him Abraham. When he left, left Ur, he took his father and he dropped him off someplace and he ended up dying in a different land. Okay, now, now we're going to jump all the way down to 9 and 28 because I want to get through 10 because uh, we're going uh, anyway. 9 and 28, he said, but as soon as they were at peace, listen to this, y'all. As soon as they were at peace, these are the people, the Israelites, as soon as they were at peace, your people committed evil in your sight. They're still worshiping God. The bottom line, they're recapping what happened. Every time God gave them something, they got at peace, then they started sinning again. And that's how we do too, you all. We still do the same thing. We can walk out of the, we can stand in church, pray God, ask God to forgive me for everything I'm going to do, wait, and walk out, go get in your car, and start the cursing. I start the arguing. We've been there. Start the arguing, mad about something. Well, that old, that old pastor talked too long. He talked like slow anyway. And he talked too long. I, blah, 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 blah. Just, we do that. And, and Sister Manifest got on my nerve, that old big ugly hat she thought was pretty. They paid all that money, she ought to go pay a light bill. Child, don't we go there? We've been there. I know it. Y'all may not say it, but I know because I've been around church folks since I was a little bitty baby sitting in the church with my grandma. So I know I know church folks what they do and what they think. Uh let's see now yet going on say yet whatever your people turn and cry to you again for help, you listen once more from heaven. In your wonderful mercy, you rescued them many times. My mama always said, God's grace and mercy is all we need. She said it to me many, many times, and I, I chewed it up, put it in my child, but then I lived it. And I'm still living this day. All I need, I love people to say, how you doing? What you doing? And I don't really care about a bunch of accolades because I'm not the one doing the teaching. The Holy Spirit of God is giving me the teaching. He's Because I submit, I surrender myself to him. And, and I want what God has for me. 
It's nice man gives me things, but I'd rather have what God gives me there last forever. But what man uh, gives you, after a while, it'll rot and die. But see, they were still giving, praising God and giving him accolade in 9 to 28. Okay, now 9 and 35. So even while they had their own kingdom, they did not serve you. Though you showered your goodness on them, you gave them a large fertile land. They refused to turn from their wickedness. Think about what was happening at that time. God got them in the Canaan. You remember when the walls fell down, Joshua and all the walls fell down? And, and they still were stupid. They, 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 he was, that's what they were talking about. They, they gave them, he, God gave them the land of Canaan. He had the priest to walk around there six days. And then on the seventh day, all they had to do was beat the tamarines and shout, praise him. And the brick walls fell down, you all. The brick walls fell down. I want you to think about any situation in, in your own life that you may have gone through something and God told you to just pray, put your attention on him. And jot down what may, the situations uh, that might come to, the, to come to your mind. And later on, you can go back. Everyone on this line should have a journal. Uh, they, they, they're too cheap. If you can't buy no journal, just get you some notebook paper. Back, back in the old days, they told, took some brown bag paper and wrote them. They didn't have all this paper and stuff like we have now. Took some brown bags and wrote it out. And sometimes in order for us to be able to clear some of all that junk out of our head, write it down. And then you can go back and read it later on and, and, and encourage you to know that if you wrote it down and you got through all of that, you didn't get over it. We, we, shouldn't, we should stop thinking about jumping over stuff. Uh, we need to ask God, give me the strength to go through this. When you go through it and you get on the other side, you have victory. You have much victory. All right, going on to Nehemiah 36. We're, we're, about, we're about done, and we're going to jump down to 10. I, I think I'm doing 10. 8, 9, I think 10. So now, nine, Nehemiah 9 and 36, it says, So now today we are slaves in the land of plenty that you gave our ancestors for their enjoyment. We are slaves here in this good land. And I wrote this, and I want you all to write it down. Who's your master today? Who is your master today? Uh, I, I, and I ask that question because we are in bondage. And, and this are dependent on each individual person. What kind of bondage are you living in? Who you are enslaved to? Who you are indebted to? How many bills? Do you have so many bills you can't pay your bills? You, that means you, they own you. It, in the other parts of the book of Nehemiah, it showed it right there. The people couldn't even buy food because they was in so much debt. There was so much debt they couldn't even buy. The debt of having to sell their own in order to get food because they were trying to restore. A lot of times we get we get situation we go credit card debt is one of the fast one of the first thing that's killing us. If you have the ability to have a lot a lot of credit card, it will kill you. It will kill you all that credit card debt. I, I have never been a person that had credit cards. I'm sorry, I it never been on my mind. I, I I don't know, maybe because of the financial way I've learned in the past, a credit card means you got to go back and pay it. I rather pay as I go so I don't have to go back. Even down to my electricity in this day that I use in this house, I pay as I go. I don't want to owe no man nothing. The Bible tells me that. Don't owe no man nothing. Don't owe him nothing. 
Because when you're older, say electricity, get up $300. I have a friend, she told me one day her that I was helping her do her financials, trying to get her how to learn how to use her money, do some banking and all online banking, and just how to uh, be a good steward over what she had. Her light bill here in Arizona for one month was $1,300, you all. $1,300. And yes, it get very hot here and you need electricity, but she was enslaved, uh, she was in bondage. Because having to pay this and still having to keep the electricity on, she had maybe had about 10 kids in her house and any, she's a caregiver. So naturally she has to have electricity. But when you don't pay, well, I can't pay it all this month. I pay maybe $50. $50 on $1,300 don't mean nothing. That's like spitting out the window. I spit it on the floor and watch it go away. That is nothing. But a lot of times now we might be in that kind of situation. So I'm just saying, who's your master today? There's jobs, there's sports, there's children activities. Some of us are uh uh bonded by our children activities. Some I think most of you all online is more mature today. But uh you don't have any young, young children, you might have grandchildren or great grands like I do. Let's see. Now but it said, How much time do you spend daily studying the word of God? How much time do you spend studying the word? Or even reading the word of God, even listening to the word of God. Uh, reading some kind of books that up updating yourself on current events. Now with the war that's going on, I just want to warn you all. I d I don't know, maybe I'll say I'll say it try to say it softly. I understand. The Bible says there's always going to be wars and rumors of wars. Jesus said that himself. We're going to always have that stuff with us. But don't get so off focus that you're not focused on what's around you, what's happening in your community, what's happening in uh, in your family. Uh, worrying about what's happening over there in, in the land that's in the war. My, I talked to my daughter, let's see, about the last couple of days, and she's uplifted. The The sounds and air doesn't bother her. But knowing that, now she's on a different guy than I am, and you know, she's Muslim. But anyway, she's trusting the fact that she's going to be okay. I tell you, you're going to be fine. Just just look behind you, watch what's going on, and don't be so crazy that you don't know what's around it. I love what Miss Pat always says, and she texts us all the time, and always encouraged to stay focused. And that's what we need to do. Stay focused as you're going through life. Look at what's going on around you. Don't be so dumb you don't know. Oh, it ain't going to bother me. I don't care. Yes, and we're going to sneak up on you one day and pop you in the back of the head, and you ain't going to know why you pop. Know what's going on in your house. Now, uh, I, I, my sister's heard this one before. When my girls were growing up, I ain't allow no no door closer. Oh, I want to know what's going on in their door. I worked hard. I ain't want no crap. So what they, what they did, this was after 85. I'll say after 1985. Situ situation changed then. So I have the, the baby girl. She's always been one of the high-spirited persons and want to do what she wants to do. So she had a habit of always closing the door and she would lock it. I said, Kenyatta, don't lock that door. Don't lock that door. But she would lock it anyway. So after the first time when I had to bust the door in, I got my my hammer and a little nail and took the hinges off the door. Took the door, slammed down. It's my house. I can do it, but a lot of us would be afraid to do that to a child. I slammed the door quickly down. 
Then she did another little thing. She went and slipped out the window one day. And then when she coming back, I had to bust it out the window. I said, come on in. You don't have to slip out no more because the window's wide open. And I went, we went through a winter. I would not put another window in there. Would not let her put no plastic hook. She went out the window the wrong way. So, therefore, I gave her a way of escape so she don't have to worry about uh, uh, raising the window. Just jump on out. Push the screen out and jump on out. So, we have to take authority over what's going on. But are we masters to our children? Are we allow them to do whatever we want? Are we masters to them instead of teaching them the way to go? God tells us to train up a child. They might forget it, but when when necessary, they'll come back. It'll, it'll stick in them. Uh, all of us have known that we've been trained about something when we were younger, and we might have totally forgot about it, but it did come back to your mind when it was really, really needed to do so. Nehemiah 9 and 37 says, The lust produced of the land piles up in the hands of the king, who have set over the over us because of our sins they have power over us and livestock we ser we serve them in their pleasure and we are great in great misery uh this is this is what was happening that was uh nehemiah 9 and 37 they were still in misery because they was under the bondage of the king even though they just had been under the bondage of uh babylon for all those years the next generation was still under bondage and that's part of the generational curses, and, and that's part of the stuff that we don't ask for God's wisdom and what we do. We just keep flowing the same old way, but the way my uncle, my aunt flow, or the neighbor next door flow, we just flow, flow just doing the same thing over and over and over. Jump to Nehemiah 10, and we're going to get ready to uh, ease this up, some of you all. Nehemiah 10, uh, it says, now what Nehemiah did, when the people said that they were going to follow the rules and regulations, he uh, ratified and sealed a document with Nehemiah and also uh, Zedekiah down to the, uh, Nehemiah 10 and 28. And the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who has separated themselves from the pagan people of the land in order to obey the law of God. Some, some just made up their mind. They weren't going to stay. They weren't going to follow law, the laws of the land anymore. They were going to follow God's law. And so, but Nehemiah had them all sign an agreement uh, together with their wives and sons and daughters and all who are old enough to understand. All who are old enough to understand. God holds us accountable. In his word, he said 13 years old, men should be able to stand. The federal government said 18 years old, they should be able to understand. You choose which one you're doing. Are you still changing diapers on grown men? Are you still changing diapers on grown women? Are you, are you still, uh, do you still have, I look at it as you have them in bondage. When they do not have free will to learn and do what they want to do. You are the, you are the slave master. Nehemiah 10 and 30. We promise not to let our daughters, this is one of the things they promised. And listen to this, y'all. I'm, I'm not going to explain it. I want you to listen to it. And get an aha, a salah moment. He said, they said, we promise not to let our daughters marry the pagan people of the land and not to let our sons marry their daughters. Nehemiah 10 and 31. We also promise that if people of the land should bring any merchandise or grain to be sold on the Sabbath or any other holy day, we will refuse to buy it. 
You remember when Jesus went into the temple one time and they saw everybody selling. That was during the time where they had to take a gold or dove or something to the priest. But they were they were all there and sitting and selling everything. And and Jesus went in and turned over the tables and said, yeah, "You've been doing this stuff in my daddy's house, in my father's house." But this was already happening. And when we read Nehemiah earlier, the people didn't stop the outsiders from coming into their temple and doing whatever they want. But they made a promise to nearby we were going to stop it. And said, well, every seventh year, let me go back. Every seventh year, we will let our land rest. And we will cancel all debt owed to us. This tradition is still carried on today. And your credit report, after seven years, you can count back seven years, seven years from today, anything that was on your credit seven years from today is erased. But if you go back to the debtor or go back and look at it again, it appears back on your credit as fresh new and it has to come out. You have to wait another seven years to get out. Ask me how I know. Because I teach people how to do their financials. Every seven years, uh, most farmers rest their land. They don't grow anything on the land. They just let it rest. The federal government pays them not to grow anything for that, that, that year. They get paid. And the credit bureaus will erase your credit after seven years. All the bad debts, the negative things, uh, they erase it. Now, if you're renting a house and you pay your rent on time, it's a plus on your credit. But if it's, if it's if you don't pay it on time, it's a negative now. This is the new thing. This is why we have to know what's going on all around. It's not just no day over there, Warren. What's going on right here, around me? Right here, around me. Me and my sister were discussing in Goldsboro now. We, we were thinking, we left Goldsboro. Most people left Goldsboro, and those that stayed there, that's, that's fine. But they found, at that time, they were find, able to find a lucrative job and get a career. My sisters, they got careers and all. But right now, when you look at the statistics, there's nothing for the young people to do. There's really no secure jobs or anything they could do. Now, let's, let's go ahead and Nehemiah 32. I want to hurry in this. It's, in addition, we promised to obey the commands to pay the annual temple tax. One eighth of the ounce of silver for the care of the temple. Nehemiah 35, it said, We promise to bring first part of every harvest to the temple year after year, whether it, whether it be a crop from all or from our fruit trees. This dispensation leaders use, uh, they use the word now, I hear it so much now, it's tithing. It's a little bit different, but this is what, uh, while a lot of us have been putting, uh, put under a tithing bondage. I don't want to get you all confused, so I won't go there. The Bible explains exactly what tithing is. But this modern day, we put it all into finances, but all into all into dollars and cents. In the Bible back here, it was uh, like in the old church. The old church used to call it pounds. P-O-U-N-D-S. And they would bring a pound of flour, a pound of sugar, a pound of salt, a pound of oil. A pound of bread, a pound of meat, and leave it in the basket for the uh, preacher man. This was the old church. This is what the big ditch church used to do. Because I was in there, so I know they did it. My grandma and them did it. But today, it's all about how much money you're bringing. How much money? Okay, let's uh, let's go ahead on. The about ten to thirty-seven said we will store the produce in the storerooms of the temple of our God. 
We will bring the best of our flour and our other grains offerings, the best of our fruit, the best of our new wine and olive oil. And we will promise to bring the Levites tenth of everything on our land produces. Tenth of everything that our land produces. For it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all our rural towns. But now the tithe is collected by the church, the pastors of whomever, or the treasurer of the church. Today, if you bring them a pound of oil, they probably curse you out. They don't want the oil. They want a tenth of what you made. Uh, going to 39, going to 39, Nehemiah 10 and 39, the people of the Levites must bring the offering of grain, new wine. And we promise together not to neglect the temple of God. Yes, we are in different uh, dispensation, but we need to be able to read the word of God and get the understanding. I, I don't say you shouldn't take a tenth in to the church, but being a good steward, some, it's best to be a good steward, and some of, some of us just have to go with the flow, but allow God to give you the conviction and explain it to you. If you don't understand it, ask him. Ask him for understanding if you don't understand it. Well, you have, but don't get bonded. Don't get under bondage because you don't have it to tie. First of all, God wants us to be a good steward. All right, my rent sixteen hundred dollars. I make sixteen ninety, so I'm gonna give the church one hundred sixty dollars. Then I got to beg the master to what my rent is. I I can't pay you all the rent because I paid my church. Been there, done that. That's not being a good steward. A good steward is to take care of what you have first. So you rather go to the government and beg the government for an extra hundred sixty when you gave it to the church, and the church is not doing what they're supposed to do with it. Okay, Luke 12, verses 42 and 43. You all get that. So after, after eight, so I'm going I'm to end this abruptly. And uh, this is actually talking about if you don't use the gifts and talents that God has given you, I, I don't want to go all over it again, but sometimes, you know, things that God gives us, we don't use it, we will lose it. Uh, Luke 12 and 42 said, And the Lord replied, A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. Apply it to your life today. A sensible and servant, a faithful person of God, take care of his own first. That's what we're required to do. 43 says, If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, he will be rewarded. And Jesus told about this parable about when the master left and he gave one uh, one bag of silver. He had five. He gave one five bags. He gave one two bags, and then he gave one the one bag. And the one with the one one bag, he took it and uh, and hid it in the ground. That's the end of our lesson this week, you all. I, I pray that you got something out of the lesson and you're able to apply each part of it to your life. Bottom line, when they were rebuilding the wall, there was some people, when they got down to their own household, some of the family had to stand there with, with guns or what, with their swords, uh, watching, praying, or, or ready to uh, take down a, a robber or whatever. And then you had some actually working. We can apply that to our, our, our normal household. Everybody in the household may not have a job. 
Some might be just the person that cleans up, cooks all the food, and, and do a good and clean and taking care of the household. Then you have some that'll go out and bring the money back in and you share it, and that's how your life flows. But if you got some sitting there ain't doing nothing, you lose it. That's what the word of God said. If you don't use what you got, you will lose it. That's the bottom line. And now the the, uh, the people promise that if the people of the land should bring any merchant, that this going back to really talk about when they bring any stuff into the land. I, I want to leave this lesson. We didn't do much talking to you all, but I, I, I pray that I pray that you all are good stewards. Taking care of, of what you have yourself. Take care of what God has given you. When we're in the process of rebuilding our walls, we, we sat in bondage for, uh, I'll say we're still in bondage. The COVID started in 2020, March, is it March 2020, that's when the COVID started. And I'll never never forget it because that's when my life changed in March of 2020. Uh, I think next week, if I get it right, <laughs> next week, it'll be actually two years since I've been, been in this state of mind, state of uh, physical health, two years, but I am not the way it was uh, when I started, when I started. If you ever want to see, I'll, I'll, I'm going to put together the video. When the day I went down to therapy and they put this million dollar a man on my back, his name was Jarvis. I could barely stand up and I couldn't move on the left side at all. But Jarvis was a kind of, it was an equipment. It was uh, like a backpack and it had it scrapped down to my legs, uh, had wires all over it. And so when Jarv Jarvis moved, I moved. My right leg, I could I could move that, but my left one, I couldn't do nothing. I couldn't, I couldn't stand up on my left leg, but they had me so tied up and, and wrapped up in it. So that every time that the video is almost cute, I, I love the video because every time she said, walk. They like tapped me on the side. What they were doing was tapping Jarvis for him to walk. And when they tapped Jarvis, he would, I had to move my right leg. Then Jarvis would move my leg, left leg. I always want to be so in God, so in God that I can't make a step without him. When I move, the word of God tells us whether you make one, he'll make two. Think about that, you all. When you make one step, he'll make two. But if you don't make no steps, you can't. You don't accomplish nothing. You can't rebuild nothing. You're still stuck. You're still in slavery. But God is a faithful God. He's faithful to His word. I thank you all. I enjoyed you all today, and I'm proud of the fact that uh, each of you were able to join us this evening. Uh, we, we're going to close it out in prayer. I don't know who's on the line. Uh, God is just good to us, y'all. That's, that's all I can say. He He is a good God. You know, He will definitely, you know, whatever we need to get through, He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll get all get, get get us through all situations, and we just have to uh, think think about Him. You know, lean on Him, lean on God, and He'll do it for us. All right. Did anyone have any questions or comment? That was your uh, grandmother's grandfather. That was 
Yeah. Yep. Uh huh. And um. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say something. You can say it. Okay. Yeah, about the teacher. Yeah, he he was uh uh your grandmother. I say my mother, your mother's mother, a grandfather. See how close that is, grandfather. And he was born into slavery, and they were living in the town of Clinton. And he had this big old black Bible. He was one of the very few men that could read, and he was set in the courtyard where black folks weren't even supposed to be there. But he had such a rating among the white people that he was able to sit in the courtroom, courtyard and read the Bible, read out loud. He was like an Ezra. That's what he was. A lot of people didn't read and didn't understand, but he taught and read the word of God. And I believe that today, that's why even the fact that I even have it in my heart, that's one of the generational things that's passed down as a Bible teaching. To be able to, he did, he had nothing, but he did something for the people. A lot of us that got stuff, we don't do it because we have nobody to motivate us. But when we're living under the Spirit of God within us, He will motivate you. He will encourage you to do better. Do something different. Don't just wait for somebody to tell you. Don't don't just wait for somebody to tell you. So did anyone else have a comment? Okay, so we're going to end it today. I don't think the end of the Johnsons were on the line. I didn't hear them. I didn't hear Miss Pat. But uh, I do want to thank each of you all. That, uh, you're muted. Oh, okay. I didn't know you were there. All, all right. I do want to thank uh, each and every one of you all for joining us today. I said, you know, sometimes you all, when there's torment going on in the house, if you got that phone, go to YouTube and listen to some nice music. Uh, the the one one I'm playing now is by uh, I forgot his name, the uh, Bridge Over Trouble Water. Uh, Sometimes things do get bad, and and we we need to uh, slow our spirit down. John Legend, this was by. Let's just listen to this a minute. Father God, we want to thank you for your goodness and your mercy for allowing us to come together in fellowship this day. Father God, thank you for being in the midst. You said where there's two or three gathered that you are in the midst. And we thank you for being in the midst with us this day, Father God. Thank you for each and everyone that's online, offline, want to be online. Father, we, we send a special blessing to them, healing in their heart. Those of us that are still grieving, Father God, please allow them to know that you had to grieve for your son and you gave us a lot of time. Now we got to get up and move forward. And we thank you, Father. Thank you for the peace in our household. 
Thank you for the peace in our mind. And we choose you, Lord. We choose Jesus. We choose what Jesus said to us. He said that he was going back to be with you and send us a comforter. We thank you for the comforter. We, th we thank you, Father, for the comforter that gives us discernment, that gives us peace in our heart, give us wisdom, godly wisdom, give us godly, uh, guidance. He is a guiding God. When there is darkness and we don't know a way out, the Spirit of God, thank you for the guidance you give us to show us the path out. And Father God, thank you for the rams in the bush that you have sitting on the wayside. Hallelujah. Thank you for the rams that you got sitting on the wayside for us. Allow us to open our eyes. I pray that each and every one of us open our eyes so we can be able to see what God has for us and to pick it up and run with it. Father God, we love you and we praise you. We honor you. We forever give you honor and glory. We, I, I had to go back and thank you for the healing in everybody's body. The healing that in Miss Tammy's body. The healing in my sister Ella's body. The healing in my sister Ada's heart. The healing by <coughs> excuse me. The healing in Sharon's heart. The healing in my sister's heart. And everyone in the family that has been affected over the last few days. Healing in Miss Pat. Uh, Miss Pauline's body. Thank you, Father, for that. We thank you for all you're going to do in our lives, Father, with all the seen and the unseen. With That's what our faith is because we know that you're going to do it. And where your word said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I speak joy to each and every one that's on the line. On the line. Know who God is and get his joy. And you'll have strength to go through anything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good night, you all. And you have a good Thank you for joining. If you want the notes, text me and I'll, I'll email it or mail it to you. Love you much. Bye-bye.